Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Q. I want to talk to you today very pointedly. We're going to start a series out of Psalms 27. And Psalms 27 talks about fearless faith. I want to talk to you about what fearless faith looks like over the next four weeks. Specifically, how fearless faith today is confident. My brother recently gave me a t-shirt, and I like it. It's a pretty cool shirt. It has a logo on the front of it. It has an American flag on the sleeve. On the back, it's got a cross, and it says, Faith over fear. Everybody's heard that recently? Like that's the Christian thing to say now. Faith over fear. COVID-19. Faith over fear. Vaccinations. Faith over fear. Mass mandates. Faith over fear. Government overreach. Faith over fear. Whatever it is you're dealing with. Faith over fear. We have to have faith over fear. And in fact, as Christians, we should be in a place where we have more faith than we have fear. Amen? We should be able to stand boldly and declare what the truths of God are over our life. And so I want to talk to you about that today. That we have to have fearless faith. But what does it mean to have fearless faith? Does that mean that you're never scared of anything? You're never intimidated by anything? No. If I was to tell you you're never going to be scared of anything after I get done preaching today, I would be a liar. But what I do want to tell you is if you will hold on to the truths of the Word of God that I'm going to declare to you today and over the next four weeks I hope to, you will be fearless than you are right now. Fear is crippling to so many people and to our nation right now. I hear it day in and day out. People are concerned about everything from food supply chains to disease to God's bigger than that what I want to do today is talk to you about how God is bigger than your issue I want you to have confidence in who God is what I want to talk to you today is that fearless faith is confident and I want you to be confident and I'm not just giving that lip service I want you to have a confidence that's bold that's declarative that's demonstrative that can walk out to every person that you meet, who you are. People should see in the confidence in which you walk who you belong to. God didn't create me to be a mealy-mouthed, weak-minded Christian. He called us to stand, to be convictional, and to move forward with our faith in confidence. question is, how do we do that? We do that by first understanding what faith is. Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us, gives us a definition of what faith is. It says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. And everybody's all, well, that's good. Well, I, I didn't go to Bible school. What's that mean? <laughs> Let me tell you what that means. I, I've written down what, I, what, what that means. That we are so sure of the promises and the Word of God, and who God is, 
that we have an unshakable confidence in our hope that that confidence so permeates our lives that we are unshakable even when we can't physically see evidence of our hope. You know the word that I like in there a whole lot? Unshakable. Faith, true faith is unshakable. It says that I'm going to hold on to the promises of the Word of God and who God is, not according to my own understanding, but according to the Word of God. We have to know, I, I tell you guys all the time, read your Bible. We walk around, we're weak-minded, we don't have the conviction that we should have because we don't understand who we belong to. We don't understand the God that we serve. The God that we serve is capable and loving and kind and merciful and gracious. He is so many more things than we give Him credit for, or at least according to the way we live our life, more than we give Him credit for. But He is, he is an awesome God, but we won't know that if we don't read our Word. People say, I know who God is because I have the Holy Spirit. Well, that's true. But can I tell you, your heart is deceptive. And so if you think the Holy Spirit gave you something and it contradicts the Word of God, it's not the Holy Spirit. You're all, well, I got wise counsel. Well, they might be wise about most things, but all of us have at least one dumb friend talks all the time. And if that one dumb friend that talks all the time contradicts the Word of God pertaining to God, that's not true. Read your Bible. How do I have confidence to even stand up here? Because I tell you, when we first started, I sweat through every shirt I ever had. Because this isn't an easy task. But how do I have the confidence to do it? Because I know who my God is. And I need you to have an understanding of who your God is. That your God is capable, that He loves you, that He sees you, that He desires to be in relationship with you. This is the absolute truth. Which is why it's important, according to Romans 10, 17, I think, that you hear the Word of God. Because faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? The Word of God. Now, I'm not saying you can't get a revelation by reading your Bible. But there has to be, there's something about hearing, apparently. Someone else declare the Word of God that brings us closer to a place of faith. I don't need church to be a Christian. That's true. But it's foolish. You need to be somewhere where someone's declaring the word to you. Faith is unshakable and becomes more unshakable as we hear the word of God. And I, I need, I don't know about you guys, but in a world like we live in, I need a world, a, a, a confidence that is unshakable. And it's found right here in the redemptive plan of God to restore us back to himself through Christ Jesus. If I had to say one thing, that's, that's generally speaking, that's what this whole Bible is about. Read it. Hear it. Build an unshakable confidence in it. And know that God is capable, that we can rest in him. We got to get to a place of peace. There's a gentleman named Sir Wilford Greenfield. 
was a medical missionary to the Arctic. And he got trapped as the ice was breaking on an iceberg, and it was this ice melt was rolling down a river and happened into the ocean, and he was just him and his dogs. And he had been there long enough. He was afraid he was going to starve to death. He mercifully killed his dogs to have something to eat. And then he used their hides for warmth. And then he hung a flag of distress for others to see. And then according to his story, his testimony, after he did all of that, after he killed his animals, warmed himself by their hides, hung a flag, says he fell asleep and took a nap. Somebody asked him one time, he said, how, how do you sleep in that condition? How do you feel comfortable enough to take a nap knowing that you're likely to die? And his answer was this. I have confidence to know that if I do everything that I can do, God's responsible for the rest. If I didn't have you guys grab a hold of anything else, I'd want you to understand that. God taking care of you doesn't abdicate your responsibility to do what you can do but to live in an expectation that what you can't do, he can meet you there. And he can accomplish for you. And sometimes if you let him through you. So we have to have confidence. We need to be a people of confidence. We must have that peace that's willing to take a nap. Christians, we need to, we need to take a nap. It's time that we have enough confidence in God to say, I've done all I can do. God, it's on you. I, I know that's for somebody in here, probably everybody in here. That's for me. I can remember when I first got sick. Just so you guys know, I deal with some liver stuff and some other stuff. First real call we got from the doctor about the test that I had taken. For whatever reason, they decided to call my wife instead of me. So they called my wife at home. I'm here at the office. And they gave a prognosis that wasn't good. It wasn't good as an understatement. Um, and my wife called me. And it, it wasn't good. They didn't expect me to live. Matter of fact, the doctor told us later, or told my wife later, some months later, that... I never thought I'd see your husband in my office after that first day. But this is what I did. That'll shake you. But let me tell you what I did. And I'd like to say I did it on purpose, but I didn't. It just happened. God's just good to me. I walked out of my office, and I was waiting for her to come pick me up so we could go to the doctor. And I started pacing in this room, and I started telling God, God, I'm not done yet. You called me to something. You gave me a vision to grow a church, to love your people. I'm doing everything you told me to do. What's the problem? Why am I having to deal with Why do I have to deal with this? And God, in my spirit, very plainly said to me, let me worry about my purpose for your life, not you. And I got a peace in that moment that has not gone away, knowing that God, takes care of me even if it means I die today 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are famous for saying, our God will save us. But if he doesn't, we will still serve him. Because this is such a small part of who you are. Your walk on earth is such a small, minuscule part of your eternity. We need to have fearless faith that builds confidence to be able to walk that out. To walk in that peace, that truth, that understanding that God is bigger than your problem. Amen? So I want to prove this to you. I want to talk to you about this. Out of Psalms 27, a psalm written by David. And I'm going to preach in out of sermon or verses 1 through 3. And they read like this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though the war arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. Did you catch that? All this crazy stuff that's happening to him. The fact that his enemies, adversaries, hosts encamp against him. That war rises against him. He says, because of who God is, I have confidence. Let me tell you, Christian, regardless of who comes against you, regardless of who has encamped about you, it doesn't matter what war you're fighting or what fight you're fighting or what battle you're fighting. Your God is bigger than whatever that is. You know how I know that? Because I read the Word of God. And the Word of God is true. It's infallible. It's absolutely what it says it is. And if He tells me that He's omnipotent, which means the most powerful thing in the being in the universe, then guess what? I can believe that. And if he's the most powerful thing in the universe, then he can handle whatever small problem I got. Listen to this. Some people in this room, their family, are personally dealing with sickness. Can I tell you, because I read my word, I can have confidence to know that God's capable of healing them? Because the Bible says the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in every believer. Did you catch that? The spirit that raised Jesus after having been dead for three days lives in you. We're all, oh, I got the COVID. The same spirit that lives in, that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Well, my mother's dealing with cancer. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, if she's saved, lives in her. It doesn't matter the sickness or disease. Can I tell you, if God says He can do it, He can do it. Amen? Because Jesus made that accessible to us. That's the confidence I'm talking about. So the first thing, I kind of rambled there for a second, but it's important. Stop walking around defeated. Be confident in who you are. At the end of your life, it's going to be the end of your life, whether that's today or tomorrow or 10 years from now or 50. The Bible tells us, promises us, in fact, that your days were numbered before you breathed your first breath anyway. All right. Get a little excited. So I want to talk to you about confident faith. 
First, that confident faith believes that God is. Verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? This verse says that the Lord is our light, our salvation, and our defense. So let's talk about that. What's the purpose of light? If he's, if God is light, what is the purpose of light? The answer to that question, since nobody yelled it out, is to illuminate, to drive away darkness, to reveal something to you, to bring revelation to you. God is the bringer of illumination and light into your life to give you revelation where you didn't previously have revelation. Let me tell you, all of us are ignorant about something, but the Holy Spirit is ignorant about nothing. You're all, man, I'm struggling with such and such. The Bible says if I'll ask for wisdom, God will give it to me abundantly and without reproach. That's the confidence that I can have. But more than that, He illuminates who I was versus who I can be. He shows us, draws us by the power of His Holy Spirit to Himself. We aren't capable of doing that on our own. If you think, man, I'm going to get saved tomorrow, you don't understand how deprived you are or depraved that you are. You can't get yourself saved. You can't make a decision to be saved. When the Holy Spirit draws you and convicts you, then you have a decision to make. But you can't put on your calendar August 27, 2023, I'm going to give my life to the Lord that day. Because until the Holy Spirit draws you according to the Word of God, until that light is shown into your life, until that illumination happens, until that revelation is received by you, which is only received by you through the Holy Spirit, this is who you are. Dead in your trespasses and sins. That means that you have no ability to see who you are. You are in the, in the dark, blind to the truth. You can't react to external stimuli or internal stimuli until the Holy Spirit draws you. But, Ephesians 2, 4 through 6 reads like this, But God, being rich in mercy because of His great love which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Man, that is a revelation, illumination moment. When I am dead in my trespasses and God reveals Himself to me and in that revelation, accepting Jesus Christ, I am in Christ Jesus and raised up with him in heavenly places. Man, somebody ought to get excited about that. That's a promise for eternity right there. I praise God for that. But do you know that's the Holy Spirit's work? Your work is to listen for the calling of the Holy Spirit. Because that revelation doesn't just happen at salvation. That revelation should happen your whole life. Every time I read my Bible, people say, how much of the Bible you read every day? I read until there's a piece that catches my eye. 
It might be a chapter. It might be a two chapters. It might, I read the whole book of Romans one time. Just sitting. And then there will be a verse that just catches in your spirit. And you're all, that's, that's what God wants me to meditate on. Because I don't understand that. And he reveals himself to me. God is the light. And he draws us to him. And I praise God for that. That by his whole, you know why I praise God for that? Because if he did it, I can be comforted in it. I can be confident in it. I didn't save myself. You didn't save yourself. God saved you, drawing you by the Spirit. But not only that, not only is he light, but I have confidence that he is my salvation. Because it's good to have revelation that you have a need. But God calls you to a place of salvation. David says, you are my salvation. I will have confidence. Can I tell you that you can have confidence because God is your salvation. He sent Jesus Christ to meet the greatest need you have eternally and presently. And that is salvation through Christ Jesus. This is your greatest need. And God has met it. What am I trying to do today? I'll tell you what I'm not trying to do. I'm not trying to waste 30 minutes or 35 minutes or 40 minutes. I'm trying to bolster you, show you that your God is big enough to draw you to save you. And that it's by His work that it's done. And so you can have confidence that it's not by yours. You know why that should bring you confidence? Because you're fallible. Because your mind is finite. Because you slip and fall. But God is mighty. God is gracious. God is kind. God is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present. And that gives me confidence that He loves me enough to see me. That He loves you enough to see you, not just to draw you, but then to bring you salvation, to meet the greatest need that you have which is Christ Jesus. Why do you need Christ Jesus? Well, let me explain that to you. Because you were going to a sinner's hell. You were a sinner deserving of God's wrath by birth and by action, according to the Word of God. None are righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You're all, man, you really bring it hard with the gospel message. That's just the first piece of it. You know why you go hard with the first piece? So you can see how magnificent and glorious the second and the third piece are. If I know I didn't deserve it, but God gave it to me, gave it to me anyway, I praise God because I didn't deserve it. But I need to know what I didn't deserve in the first place. I deserve the wrath of God, but He sent Jesus Christ to us. Not just to me, but to everyone that will call upon the name of Jesus, according to the Word. That he absorbed that wrath on my behalf. That he came here. That he lived a life perfectly to give us an example of what perfection looks like. And caused us to strive towards it. And then empowered us with his Holy Spirit to move towards Christ's likeness consistently. This is the glorious gospel message. That Jesus Christ came here from heaven. Died on a cross. Shed his own blood. So that I might be redeemed from the wage that I deserve to pay. Which is death. You know, you're never going to taste death if you're a believer. Sure, you might end up in a grave somewhere. 
But death has no victory over you. Death has no sting over you. You know why? Because God is your salvation. Whom shall you fear? Well, the answer to that question is so obvious. Nobody. You know who I'm scared of? Nobody. What are they going to do? Kill me? To die is gain. Man, that's, I need you all to grab a hold of this. I need you to walk out of here your shoulders back. Not proud of who you are, proud of the God you serve and who he is. That God loves us enough to send us his son, Jesus. Because we were already judged. But he desired us not to stay that way. Mm. Not only that, though, my confidence grows by knowing that he loves me enough to save me but that he also loves me enough to defend me. He's light, salvation, and defense. I need to know that my God fights for me. That my God hasn't forgotten me. Six years ago, when we got the report five and a half years ago that I later found out the doctor said he never expected to see me again because he figured I'd be dead. I praise God because every day I know God fights for me. When I struggle in my mind, I know God fights for me. When who I used to be comes to the surface and tries to rise above who I am in the mouths of other people, I know that God defends me. I know that he'll shut the mouth of the liar. That he'll bring to bear the testimony of who I am, not who I was. And I, I'm saying I, 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 because these are my personal experiences. But he'll do the same for you because he's not a respecter of persons. And if he says he'll do it, he'll do it. You know why? Because he's not a liar either. Anybody feeling more confident? I hope somebody's getting some confidence. I hope somebody understands how much God loves them today. He's our defense. Who doesn't protect what they love? I love my wife. I love my grandbabies. I love my family. I love my church family. And come against them unrighteously, and I will defend them. I'd love to tell you guys I'm one of those pacifist Christians, but I'm just not. Sometimes sometimes you just got to be what you are. Amen? Amen? And Christ made some of us warriors. But as good as I might be at the art of violence, and there was a time when I was pretty good at it, God's better. God's more decisive. God's more capable. God will guard you, watch over you, keep you, so that the enemy can't get to you. you know, oh, man, I, what if so-and-so talks about me? Let them talk. You know what I learned a long time ago? It's a hard truth. I learned this truth. Most of the people that talk about me talk about the old me, which means that they're not talking lies. They're just talking experience. 
So instead of being mad at them, I take accountable. I, I hold myself accountable to that because the only way to destroy in their mind who I used to be is to be me longer than who I than I, who I used to be. My papa said, "You're only as good as your track record." That means if you go around the track 50 times, but 26 of them you're all jacked up, people are going to remember you as jacked up. So my job is to live righteously, confidently, and declare the gospel so long that the truth they thought they knew becomes a bitter lie in their mouth. Now, they might still tell it, but I pray that God make, makes it bitter in their mouth. And that someone that knows me standing close enough by them to, to check them a little bit. I figure that's righteous, right? E.W., if somebody come into your work and started talking crazy about, about me, would you get my back? All right. God is powerful. He answers and submits to no one. Because of who he is, listen to me, because of who he is, that's the confidence builder, not because of who I am. Because of who he is, the enemy's threats against us are as frivolous as Goliath's were to David. Can I read you something? I asked like I'm not going to. Verse 43 of 1 Samuel 17. The Philistine said to David, the Philistine being Goliath, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his own gods. The Philistine also said to David, Come to me. And I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. So Goliath really feeling himself. He said, are you going to come at me with sticks and whatnot? What am I? And David answered this. You guys ever have somebody do you like that? You know they're out for your destruction. They're mocking you. They're doing everything they can to run you down. You're not David. But be David. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin? I think that's funny because Goliath said, You coming to me with a stick? And David's all, You're coming to me with a sword and a javelin and a spear. Which is his way of saying, That's more useless than my stick because my God's so big. He said, You coming to me with a sword, a spear, a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver, what is he? He's a defense for us. Deliver you up into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. That's confidence. And I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines, not just your dead body. The Philistine says, I'll give your dead body. But David says, I'm going to give the bodies of the Philistines. So I'm not just going to defeat you. We're going to defeat all y'all. Not because I'm tough, not because I have seer swords or spears or javelins, but because I have a God that won't be taunted. You know why God does everything God does? For his own glory. You want God to move on your behalf? Let somebody mess up and say something that's, that, that destroys any amount of glory that he could be receiving. He'll come against that. Anyway, I digress. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. And I will strike you down and remove your head from you. And I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give, it in, give you into our hands. <coughs> 
And then he did it. <clears throat> he had confidence to know who his God was. And he said, I don't need spears and javelins, and shields, swords. I don't need any of that. He killed the mightiest warrior with confidence to know that he could with a rock. And you worried about your problems. We should be more confident than that. We should have a confidence that our God is big enough to sustain us, to be our light, to be our salvation, and to be our defense. I told you that we have fearless faith to be confident because of who God is. But it's also, according to verse 2, we have fearless faith to believe in what God did. And these two points are going to be about three minutes each, just so you know, or maybe three minutes total. When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Listen to the verbiage. Don't read your Bible too fast. When they came against me, that's a past tense word. You know what that means? The testimony of my life is that the enemy has always been defeated by my God. God's sovereign and providential in his timing for sure. We just did a testimony weekend. We talked about what God did so that others could be bolstered and have the confidence to know that he'll do the same for them. What's the, what's the other? What's, that's why we give a testimony. So that we might know what God did. But not just that. Fearless faith is confident in knowing what God will do. He said, though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. So I have confidence in who God is, what he's already done in my life, and what he promises to do in my life. You know, his promises have never changed over you. Nobody went through this Bible and redacted the promises of God. Because nobody has the authority to do it. Stand and trust and know. What's the thing I want you to remember? You can be confident. Because God is the light. Come on up here, D.W. God is the light. God is your salvation. And God is your defense. I listened to Brother D.W. the other day at a tent revival sing the song he's about to sing called Lighthouse. And knowing that I was, gonna, that I was going here, I asked him if he would sing it today. Because as I'm thinking of God being my light, my salvation and my defense. I think much like a lighthouse that he he establishes light. He brings salvation to those that pay attention to that light. And he is the defense of all of those who are willing to hide within the safety of that lighthouse. My heart breaks for our church. I weep for our church. You know, why would you do that? Everything, our numbers are up, our giving's up, all this kind of stuff. Why would you weep for our church? I weep for our church because I know there are still people here that hurt. 
There are still people here that don't have the confidence in who God is to them. And I want you to have that confidence today. While he sings this song, if you need someone to pray with you, that you have the ability to walk in that confidence, to truly know the God that you serve is the light, the salvation, and the defense of your life, we're going to pray over you. I'm going to ask Pastor Rick to come over here. I'll be standing over here while he sings this song. If you need prayer, come. life see when I'm tossed oh it sends out a lie that I might see and the light that shines in darkness now will safely lead me home if it wasn't for that lighthouse my ship would sail no more. Now everybody that lives around me, they say tear that old lighthouse down. For the big ships, they don't sail here anymore. What's the use in it standing round? Then my mind goes back to that stormy night when just in time I, I saw the light, the light from that old lighthouse standing way up there on a hill. And I thank God for the lighthouse I owe my life to him. King Jesus is the lighthouse. And from the rocks of sin, he has shown his light around me that I might clearly see. If it wasn't for the lighthouse, Tell me where would this ship be? And if it wasn't for the lighthouse, tell me where would this ship be? Where would we be 